The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Ah, Napoleon. How are you enjoying your stay in the past? Hmm? I mean, I kind of just got here. <laughs> kind of disappointed I couldn't find any Crystal Pepsi, but I'm stocked up on Josta. Ah, that explains why you look like you haven't slept for three days. More like four, but, you know, I'm finishing up this piece on Mario Paint. Is that supposed to be me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and hey, you know, Duran Duran is coming into town June 10th, so there's that to look forward to. You've already bought tickets, haven't you? Yep. I don't think the Temporal Mitigation Agency had such feralities in mind when they sent you back. Yeah, I'm kind of unclear on exactly what it is I'm supposed to be doing. I mean, aside from finding the second cylinder and all, haven't seen it, by the way. But you know, I'll have loads of free time to look for it now that I don't have to edit my stupid podcast anymore. Is that so? Well, yeah. I mean, that kind of thing doesn't even exist yet, so, you know, what you gonna do? Perhaps I could offer you a diversion of sorts. Follow me. Okay, I guess. This way. Just a little further now. Ah, here we are. It's my apartment in the underworld. Yes, it took some persuasion. But the good people at the Temporal Mitigation Agency agreed to let me set up this conduit, allowing you passage from 1995 to the present. And look, your editing desk. Oh, how it missed you. Yay. I have a whole bevy of delightful guests lined up for you this season. Creative types who do more with their time than play Mario Paint really play Mario Paint exactly? Trust me when I say, Napoleon, that it would be physically impossible for me to care less. Perhaps you can burn off some of that Josta cursing through your bloodstream by interviewing tonight's guest, comic book creator Mike Freiheit. I don't have a choice, do I? I trust you know the answer to that by now. Yeah, just let me set up. Let's go to commercial, I guess. I figured, I figured out, out what it all means. means. I, can I can solve, solve the, the whole thing. thing. I can I fix, fix it all. I, 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 I just, just have to explain to people about how men and women are different. But we're the same. same. And, and I can I destroy the picture because this is all an illusion. Yeah, that, uh, that sounds great, honey. But when was the last time you slept? You aren't listening to me! After suffering a psychotic breakdown triggered by the election of a powerful demagogue, Beth follows her husband, Jason, to a remote cabin where the two try to make their own world in spite of the increasingly volatile political climate. While the couple are trying their best to overcome Beth's break from reality, otherworldly arbiters conspire to change their lives forever. Bottom books. Woods is a horror story that confronts.
Confronts the traumas surrounding a loved one's battles with mental illness, questions the struggle of individual engagement in the collective, and imagines the possibilities of a world that transcends beyond earthly understanding. Woods by Mike Freiheit, BirdcageBottomBooks.com. And now, on with the show. Don't be scared now, but it looks like you just wandered straight into you mind country. That's you mind, short for unaffiliated mind games, and you ain't never gonna be the same again. Brace yourself, it's time for red hot truth injection. Oh yeah, that's right, bitch. we're rounding up the sheeple and shaking them awake. You mind, too damn bad. We're gonna set fire to the wool over your eyes. Feel the burn, baby. Hot. We're toppling the lies of the lamestream media, one by one. Woo-wee! Watch them bad boys fall. Hey, Universe A, this is Universe B, call it, and we're gonna tear you a new one. You mind? Okay, everybody. Hey, we are here with Mike Freiheit. Uh, Mike is a well-traveled artist and writer with sort of a unique style and perspective. Um, You've just heard the ad for his graphic novel, Woods, from Birdcage Bottom Books. Hey, Mike, how are you doing? I am good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So we're going to talk about several of your works, uh, but I have to tell you that the first time that I read The Woods, it just really gave me the chills. It, it's cool. it's a fantastic piece. It's a horror story, but it doesn't really rely on the usual monsters or slasher type of horror uh, tropes. It's it's really more psychological. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's definitely a lot of my work um, in my you know I, I guess in my career has been a lot about mental health stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my first like long form horror story. And um, I just knew it kind of had to be based off of something that was, you know, real or um, someone's perception fraying or just being completely um, based in some sort of reality, but then these kind of weird things popping in that, if that makes any sense. Maybe I'm not explaining it quite correctly. No, Um, it it was, great i it had shades of rosemary's baby shades of 12 monkeys um you, you, it's that kind of horror where you're never sure like should i be rooting for this character or are they horrible <laughs> that kind of thing right yeah i mean i guess it's that's the kind of horror movies i like or stories mm-hmm. that i like where it's like you're always kind of questioning um you know do you have a, a narrator that's uh, or a protagonist even who is uh being truthful you know mm-hmm. or like what's what's your what am i presenting to you as the author is it real or or is everything that you're seeing kind of a fabrication or is it both maybe mm-hmm. is it is it real and it's also some sort of uh metaphor or something yeah. um and i guess i definitely have my own views about the story but i also just kind of wanted to create it in a way where people could have several interpretations uh, mm-hmm. or, or have their own interpretation and you know kind of just 
make up their own story or, or make up their own idea of what's actually going on um, and just giving them enough to kind of like lead them this way or that way, but not be um, super strict about what, where the outcome would, would land. Yeah. And what I think is so interesting about that is, is really every person who reads it's going to have a different perspective. Uh, it's it's going to be a different story for everybody. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, there is a really strong undercurrent of social commentary in all of your pieces that I've noticed. Um, and yeah, um, I I don't know. For me, it's kind of especially with woods. I I, mm-hmm. I well, I, pretty much everything I've done, everything I've done before yeah. woods was more like autobiographical mm-hmm. and. Um, and stuff like that. But, um, even with that stuff, it was social commentary and that it was happening to me or someone I knew. Um, and, uh, yeah, with Woods, it, you know, I, I started writing this in 20, I think in 2016, actually, mm-hmm. I just came up with an idea that I, I was like, well, I want to, I want to write a horror story. Um, and I was finishing up my book. I was finishing laying out and writing my book, Monkey Chef, which is like this much larger autobio story. Um, and I knew I wanted to write this horror story. And I was like, okay, two people go out into the woods to try and get away from everything. Because everyone talks about getting away from things mm-hmm. and buying that cabin in the woods or whatever. Um, I was like, okay, they, they're going to try and have it be sustainable. Um, and then a, a lot of like really rough things happened. I mean, not, not only the election of um, Captain Shithead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's also crazy talking about this uh, today of, of, of all the yes. days. And just how crazy today is um, with everything that's going on. So for anyway, people yeah, listening so, in the future, I guess we should explain that yeah. uh, th- there was the storming of the White House today by Trump supporters. A bunch of cool guys. Cool white guys. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, anyway, sorry. Um, so, yeah, I think I started writing it in 2016 mm-hmm. and um, a lot of like pretty rough things happened in my life where uh, my wife was actually institutionalized um, in, in a psych ward and a, a bunch of stuff like that happened. So I had like this kernel of a story and then that happened with her and I kind of folded that into what was, what the story was. And then all the social commentary stuff, I, I guess it was just kind of background for, for me, like kind of like background noise in these people's lives. It's, I mean, it's really is about, people like they've got this schism in their in their life in their marriage uh in their relationship and they're trying to kind of repair it but i guess there's some things where you know to me you can't you can kind of go beyond things and maybe the relationship has to change but some things you can't or it has to grow into something new so that that old relationship isn't really going to be there anymore you have to it has to evolve into Mm -hmm. something um I mean, that could even be a, a decent interpretation of the book, that it is just about them. It has nothing to do with any of these other sort of aspects. Um, but yeah, I wanted the, the the social kind of or political stuff to just kind of be in the background because um, it, it just kind of felt right to have that always be all-encompassing, even for this couple who, you know, they, they try and go out to the woods, but they're still the outside world is still creeping in. You know, there's no way to, to stop it from not um, stop it from coming in. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it creates just this really dynamic setting. That's really interesting. And uh, 
because of sort of the the strange things that are going on, you, you never know if it's just being provoked. Uh, the characters a lot of times have the news on, so they're constantly feeding that into themselves. And is that affecting the characters? Is that changing their perspective? Um, now, I also read a Animal Kindness from Monkey Chef, uh, volume two. And yeah. uh, that seems to share a lot of themes with Woods. Yeah, I, that, I mean, that's a... Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, like, quote unquote, demons in that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, ha I had another friend who had some serious mental health issues. And, you know, when, when people present you with those things, it's like, you want to believe them as much as you can, but you also want to help them or get them sure. to a place where they're safe. So I guess that's, that's one of the biggest ones. I mean, I, I made that like, wow, like six years ago. Yeah, it was like six years ago when I made that. And yeah, I've just always been kind of fascinated with that mental health stuff and uh, I, I guess trying to put a face to things that are terrifying. I mean, that's mm -hmm. my kind of horror where it's the, those mental health issues and, and trying to visualize it or show um, these things that can't really be seen. Um, yeah, and just turning them into these actual creatures. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I've, you know, I struggle with my own mental health stuff as well, but I've also had a lot of people in my life who have struggled mm -hmm. with uh, in some ways, a lot more severe um, iterations. So, I guess, yeah, for for me, a lot of these stories or a lot of a lot of my comics are about like <laughs> figuring it out for myself. Sure, you know, it's almost like uh, like half story, half essay to myself or something to <laughs> try and figure out like what the hell was that or like yeah. how do I feel about that. Well, it's um, definitely art's always been sort of a therapeutic experience, you know. Yeah, I think it definitely can be yeah. um, half therapeutic and half uh, <laughs> trauma-inducing. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So to to give people uh, a little background on the story of uh, Monkey Chef and uh, Animal Kindness, um, in 2010, you moved to South Africa to uh, work at a primate sanctuary. So, yes. And... Uh, have have you just always been really passionate about uh, primates, animals, things like that? What that's a really big decision for somebody to make. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, it was pretty drastic. I mean, um, I don't know if I I didn't send you the the graphic novel, which um, I didn't send you. Did I send you this? Uh, I got volume two. I can actually grab it. It's behind me. And oh, okay. I have uh, this one right here. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right, okay. Yeah, this one is like the graphic novel that came out two years ago, and this is it's different from everything that's in that issue and the and the first one. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, 2010. Uh, as far as like being into primates, I, I guess uh, I was at art school until mm -hmm. like 2007. I went to school of visual arts in New York, and um, I was just drawing a lot of like. Um, paintings and drawings or making a lot of paintings and drawings with um, primates, like different kind of primates interacting in this kind of weird fantasy world. Mm -hmm. uh, not, yeah. Weird like fantasy world with like humans and stuff. And I guess I just loved how, um, uh, you know, lower primates mimics humans and I just love drawing their bodies. I wanted to learn more about them. And so I guess I, I signed up to this mailing list that the university of Madison, Wisconsin sends out. They send out, they have a huge primatology department. Mm -hmm. So they were sent, you'd sign up for this list and they'd send out different um, uh, primate jobs that you could, or volunteer work or whatever. 
And I was on it for like three years. I, I was at this shitty job at a print shop in Long Island City, Queens. I was just miserable after mm-hmm. art school. You know, I wasn't doing anything that I wanted to do other than like making a comic here and there, but I was mostly just working and toiling for no reason. And um, I kept checking this list and I saw this um, saw this opening and I just applied for it and got it. And then I just decided to move. Oh, wow. um, so I guess I was... I haven't always been into like primates or monkeys, but I, I um, it was more recent, and then it just seemed like a good idea to get the hell out of where I was. Um, yeah. So kind of random and kind of uh, maybe a little predetermined. Yeah, this is a change <laughs> of environment. Tiny bit, yeah, yeah. So I I uh, I ask because I when I was younger and I had uh, saw Gorillas in the Mist with Diane Fossey, and oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I was really, I thought I wanted to be a primatologist for a very long time, uh, only to discover I'm horrified of chimpanzees. That, sure, uh, yeah. <laughs> Chimps are terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> they're like uh, two-year-olds with the strength of ten men, so yeah. it's, it's a lot. <laughs> they, they scare me, too. I don't think I would ever be able to work with chimps just because, I don't know. I don't, I don't even think we should be around chimps, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then from Diane Foss, I went to Jane Goodall, which, of course, is where the chimps are. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it was a lot. But uh, I think that's that's got to be a really interesting field for you to have been in and seen a lot of things. And you, uh, outside of, like, just the, the primates, you were there during the time of uh, Robert Mugabe, uh, I believe, it, or, or post-Mugabe. Uh, uh, Mugabe was still, uh, I think he was still... Um, is it till 2016? Not I'm not sure to be honest. Yeah, I, but not yeah, he was still, I mean, he was in Zimbabwe though, so there's a mm-hmm. lot of people. Uh, you know, he's the president of Zimbabwe or whatever you would, you would yeah. call it. Um, yeah, he's, there's a lot of uh, refugees who are coming out of that. Yeah, so. they were coming. They were headed south from Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And that's. Was, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, well, the the reason I bring it up is because uh, it, it kind of plays into the storyline and that that was a real life horror story. Uh, if people aren't familiar with uh, Mugabe w- without talking too much about the things that he did, there there's a lot of human atrocities. And you actually got to see the mental scars that it left on people. Yeah. Yeah. My friend Michael in, mm-hmm. in that that issue you're talking about um you could definitely tell there's like mental health stuff but then there's just things that had happened to him that probably exacerbated everything so um you know he's a very sweet person and mm-hmm. just it, it just because there's there's other workers there too um who are from zimbabwe and you know they were they didn't share the same sort of like uh, scars but you can definitely tell that life had really messed with them but michael was a special case in that he was just you know, I had a lot going on and yeah, it was, it was definitely, uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure what to say, but yeah, I was just thinking about Michael. I haven't thought about him in a while actually. So this yeah. is interesting to talk about it. Um, yeah, it was definitely a real life horror story for sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, what you brought up that Michael's a very sweet guy. I think that's one of the things that people, uh, need to sort of understand about mental illness is it, it's, not a personality trait. It's a person can be very sweet, very giving person, but they have this inner battle that's going on. And, yeah. Uh, you have to kind I of, I mean, it's there. like, 
So. Yeah, I mean, it's like any other disease that you can't control. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's something like you know, you know, if you had something that was more of like a physical thing, like cancer or something, mm-hmm. you wouldn't tell someone like, oh, stop doing that or stop doing this or whatever. So yeah. it's, I think if people can look at it more like that and just like kind of manage manage things like that, manage symptoms or trying to alleviate those symptoms instead of um, you just being like, oh, they're crazy and they did this or they must be evil or they've got, you know, um, demons inside of them or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, it's like, it's just, it's just not true. I mean, it, it's just something they've been afflicted with. It's not, um, it's not a, it's not a character trait. Yeah. Like you said, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not inherent to their character or, or how they are as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that that uh, a lot of the the countries in, in Africa have uh, had issues with uh, suppression of journalism uh, under sort of the Kagame regime in Rwanda. We saw uh, a lot of journalists being um, suppressed forcibly for having opposing voices, and then that kind of brings me back to Woods. Uh, where they're listening to the radio. That's really their only connection to the outside world. You have a couple for background on Woods. A couple moves out to a cabin, and sort of their connection to the outside world is their phone and the radio. And yeah, that's much. and so their only understanding of what's going on from the outside is the media. And it kind of brings up that idea, like if that is your concept of the world is, if that's what's painting your concept, then uh, it becomes kind of. Uh, like uh, the the cave of shadows, is it Socrates? It was actually Plato. Sorry about that. But where where the you're only observing the shadows that are coming into the cave, and you're not observing the outside world. So that uh, right, and which I think was really interesting because you have these these people who are just functioning as their own unit, but in so many ways, they they don't have the, this outside viewpoint they don't have this outside perspective and it becomes really awakened when you hear the conversation between uh beth who is one of the lead characters and her sister that uh there there's this schism and that increases more and more as the story goes on um so you talked somewhat about uh having having personal experiences uh, that were in the back of your mind when you were developing woods um and those those personal experiences and things like that, um, were you actively trying to uh, communicate a message with Woods or was it really just more of a concept that developed from what had gone on in your life and it was sort of your story to share? Um, I mean, specifically the stuff that had happened in my life, mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to do autobio just because I didn't want to yeah. do another sort of like autobio piece. Like, this is what happened. This is what happened to me. I wanted to make like a, a fictional story that was heavily influenced. Um, so I guess, um, sorry, can you re- repeat the question? Like what? Oh, what? sorry. <laughs> I guess, I guess my question is just because you are such an autobiographical author, it was that, was there a specific message uh, that you oh, were trying? Yeah. Something you were trying to communicate specific. I like, there's a lot of notes of existentialism in it, like the personal responsibility of somebody and your, how your actions impact everybody around you. Was there, was there an intentional message or was it more just you taking these events and it kind of became a story? It, it all just culminated. I, I think 
uh, I don't know if there's like a message, but I think you definitely can't escape from anything, even if you do try and go out to the woods or you do have like some sort of very particular um, way of getting out of society or like anything like that. I, I just think you can't escape in one way or another. Um, so I guess that's that's in there. I didn't want to hammer it too much. Mm-hmm was making it because I really did want it to be this kind of like to me I mean to me also it's kind of um it's kind of a fantasy piece to me because I feel like I I kind of made it to when I was when I was developing it and right up until I finished it I was kind of figure trying to figure out like okay is this real and to me everything that's happening is real so that's kind of how I wanted it to be like I wanted to play out that it was this um actual uh like fantastical scenario that was happening and then everything else you could read into um which i don't know if it's good or if it ruins it <laughs> but um that's why i never want to hear from the author like what did you what was your intent or whatever <laughs> oh yeah here here i am saying it um well i apologize we we can skip that if you like no 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 <laughs> no, no no i mean i wasn't i wasn't saying anything like that i just mean like for me i never want to hear because like then like you know it influences what oh, yeah. your read on it is um no sorry i wasn't saying like that to be uh no um but yeah i don't think there was like other than just like i don't think you can get away from things um that's maybe the only like really clear message to me yeah. um yeah, I'm not sure. What, what about what about you? What do you think? If there was a message, what would you pull from it? A message? I I I really think it's that um, you just have to listen to other people, uh, regardless of if what they're saying is crazy or ridiculous. You're just like, okay, there's got to be a kernel of truth. There's got to be some reason that they came to that, and you can't just automatically go like you're crazy you're an idiot or there has to be some reason that they came to that realization and listen to them and try to understand their viewpoint um, and why they arrive at these notions that we might just think are really out there. Um, Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can think of several examples that are mm -hmm. happening right now in the world where I'm like, that's fucking nuts. I don't know how you could, how you could think that or what reality you're in. But, um, you know, sometimes I'll do like a Wikipedia, Wikipedia kind of like K-hole and I'll just like go to one thing that's like, like, you know, I was looking up QAnon, which QAnon to me is like, oh my God, this is like bananas. And then I went and I read the whole Wikipedia article and I started doing research on it, which I don't know how healthy, I don't know how healthy that is to like go and do a deep dive into that stuff. But it's like there are like some things where it's like okay i can see that and then it's like it goes so far to somewhere which is like what what the hell are you talking about Mm -hmm. you know um so yeah i I could definitely see that being being a theme or a message for sure yeah and i think that in in your comic um I'm, i'm gonna have to censor myself a little here uh go f myself um the the effing um, that you approach that in almost a more lighthearted way. Uh, your social commentary, again, is there. Uh, and one of the, the themes that sort of just is interlaced through all of that is that new ideas, even when they have merit to them, usually are, fail to be recognized by the status quo, either because they're just too far off or people are too disgusted by it. Um, and that was, that was really something that was interesting and, uh, 
I guess it made me wonder, like, as an artist and writer, which is a pretty unique situation to be in where you're in total control of your story. Is that something you've had to battle with, with publishers, with um, other people who are, are reading your uh, stories? Or is is that something you found yourself struggling with? The fact that you're, you're kind of presenting something that's fairly different, a very independent view uh, in the mm -hmm. comics world. Um, I guess yes and no. I guess I've never quite fit in in any sort of like um, different like um, group of, of cartooning or, or comics. Like, you know, I grew up reading superhero books and I'm definitely, but I'm definitely don't fit over there. Right. And, you know, now I read more like independent stuff. And I also grew up reading that stuff. Um, but in a lot of ways, I don't fit in in those like those circles. Um, I mean, to to me, and also with uh, with go go f myself, as you, as you said, I'm not sure. <laughs> should I should I not be swearing? I'm not. You sure. you can swear. Um, I I'm not swearing because I have um as of right now uh, eight nieces and two nephews who might wander into the show because I'm in it. And I oh, okay. So you can do it, but I don't want them to think that it's it's okay for me to do it. That's really okay, my only yeah. reasoning. <laughs> right. I, I can I can be the, the crazy uncle. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, so I, I don't quite fit in certain areas, and I don't quite fit over here. I don't quite fit over there, or whatever. So that's always been kind of a thing. I mean, that's a theme in in most of my my books, anyway. Is not quite fitting somewhere, and I mean, I guess my only kind of cure to that is trying to be true and, and make the work I want and, and make my own place for myself. Um, which I think a lot of people have to do when they just want to tell a certain kind of story that maybe they haven't seen done before, or, you know, just something that, um, uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a hard question. It's, that's like super loaded. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I have struggled with, I mean, in the back of my head, I'm always wondering, like, does anyone know the fuck I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. And so I guess I guess that is a thing with, with publishers. Um, you know, my first book, Monkey Chef, um, a love story was published by Kilgore Books and they, you know, they really got it. And then Woods, you know, they really got it. So the more I've gone on and I guess the better my work has gotten and the more clear I've been about things and kind of my vision, if you want to call it that, um, I feel like people have kind of been more receptive or maybe I just bothered them a lot. And they're like, okay, we'll put this out. You can, we'll, <laughs> we'll put it out just so you stop bugging me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. yeah I, I think that, <laughs> no, I think that it's rambling is the nature of podcasts. Like this yeah, is, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's, it's an unscripted conversation. So people yeah. want to hear your rambling. They want to hear where your mind is going. Um, and I think that's why it's so advantageous that you are both the artist and the writer, because we are not only hearing your voice, but we're seeing what you're kind of visualizing. Uh, and your art style is so unique. I know you said you, you went to art school, um, but your, your art style, it, it definitely marks it as your piece. And I, I don't even know that there's like a comparison that could be made to an, another artist out there it's it's so individualistic to you um and but i i also noticed that it's it's a far cry from what the standard comic style is i mean you're not drawing like kirby or anything like that so right. um it has has 
has it been important to you that you maintain a style uh, that that you've developed? Is um, or is that just kind of how you draw? You know. I think it's just kind of how I draw it. I can't get away from it. Even if I wanted to. Um, and, you know, I've definitely had influences and stuff that, that gets like tucked away in the back of your brain. And I think that comes out, but I, I haven't really like um, consciously been like set out to be like, like I'm a huge fan of Charles Burns okay, and yeah. black, black hole and that stuff. And um, I'm a brush inker. I just love inking with a brush. And so there's definitely some sort of Charles Burns in there, but, I'm never, I would never want to be like that tight or that um, maybe <laughs> anal about my lines, mm-hmm. um, even though I love him. But I don't, there doesn't need to be another Charles Burns. He's already done it, you know. Um, but that kind of like voluptuous kind of line work and, and brushiness is something that really appeals to me. So I'm sure that got stuck back in there somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And then that comes out maybe in a different way. Um, so, I mean, I agree. I don't know anyone else <laughs> whose work looks like mine. In, in one way or another uh, um but yeah I, I never tried to be like i'm gonna i'm going this way with my style i'm going that way it's kind of like i draw like this and i i this is kind of what <laughs> this is kind of what happens when i when i put pencil to paper yeah. um sometimes i wish i could be like oh, i wish i was like you know some people can like mimic other people or they can they're amazing draftsmen so they can just like look at something and then like kind of take what they need from it and then um, either add it to their style or draw exactly like it. I'm always so a little jealous of that because I'm like, wow, that's so cool that you can just like take it and like copy it or, or copy what you like from it and then, um, you know, add it to yourself or replicate it. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I just draw the way I draw. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it's really excellent. And I, I have to quote, uh, Ryan Carey does the afterword in woods uh, as he says the way that you frame your panels and your characters is extremely cinematic um and i i was noticing that too like you're watching and you're just you're reading this and you're you could see it visually you can see where the characters are moving towards which is really what makes an effective comic and it made me think is is there is film an inspiration that you draw from yeah i think absolutely um I think it's probably one of, cause I don't, the thing is I don't read that many comics right now. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like I watch movies more and more and I've always watched uh, films or TV series or whatever, you know, especially like horror movies or anything like that. And uh, I never really studied like cinematography or anything, but for some reason it just got stuck in my head. And after a while it just kind of came natural that like using different shots and using these you know different ways of um, affecting how the viewer is going to, to read something. Um, but yeah, definitely film has been a huge influence on me, maybe in some ways more than comics, yeah. <laughs> um, even though I grew up, you know, reading comics. Um, but yeah, for sure. Are there any films uh, in specific that you, you can think of, like really you took something away from or really had an impact on you? Uh, there's probably some pretty obvious ones for, for Woods in particular, like, um, you know, when I was... When I was in high school, maybe late high school, Donnie Darko came out, and which I still think is an amazing movie. I actually think it, it's gotten better because the the, the way you go back to it, um, it's a little less juvenile and, and it's a lot more funny actually than I remembered it being. It's actually really hilarious and scary, and you know also deals with mental health. Um, that was a huge one. Um, I'm trying to think. This is like 
Oh, uh, for sure. Um, have you ever seen the Fisher King? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Terry Gilliam, um, you know, kind of depicting, uh, scenes of mental illness or, or something, something that's emotive, you know, something emotional happening and it kind of breaks the barriers of what's happening in the film or in the comics. So, you know, maybe something's very orderly and there's a conversation, but then it ramps up and like everything kind of explodes. Maybe it's color, maybe mm -hmm. it's the way the, the panel is broken, or maybe it's the way the shot kind of breaks into the, um, the panel that was, uh, uh, preceding it. Um, you know, just kind of these like wild sort of bits of like emotion that come out of very ordinary everyday things. Um, which is something I try to do too. I kind of add something very benign or something very like mundane, right? People talking and then something happens and just like, you know, uh, everything just gets nuts and trying to show that and like also just really trying to like overplay it too. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. I want to talk about uh, a project that you have. Uh, now I, it, is uh, American Cult, the American Cult Anthology has been released enough? I think it's coming out in a couple of months. It was supposed to come out last October, but I'm, I'm actually not quite certain when it is coming out. I think it's like two months, but I'm not sure. So that that's really interesting to me because it's it you illustrated a short strip about the Jonestown Massacre for that. And mm -hmm. you were actually handpicked by Robin Chapman and Brian Carey to be the illustrator for that. Yeah. So that's a big honor. So. Yeah, it was, it was cool. Um, mm -hmm. I, I haven't, I've only done a handful of things with other people where mm -hmm. it's like they write something and then I, you know, draw it. I do some um, freelance illustration for some magazines and stuff where I'll do some strips for like short comics or whatever. But it was interesting to do something uh, longer form. I think it's like 20 pages or something, the Jonestown story. Um, yeah, it was interesting to work off someone's script and kind of just get what they wanted and then sort of take that and make it into my own thing. Um, and also the, the, the take that Ryan wrote, um, which seems to be a lot more factual, factual than what a lot of people hear about um, Jonestown um, was really interesting. Um, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, without going into it too much, there's a lot to, there's a lot of people who think that Jonestown was, you know, this mass suicide, but mm -hmm. um there's also a lot of evidence that says it was a lot of murder, just hardcore, crazy murder. Um, so read it when it comes out, folks. It's yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really interesting to draw and kind of, um, I don't know, put, put yourself in the headspace of people that, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like mm -hmm. people who get kind of um, wrapped up in an idea or they get wrapped up in this thing that um, – it could be happening or it, it might not be reality, but you kind of try and take them at their word or whatever. Um, so cults kind of do that too, where, you know, they, they kind of, you get wrapped up in this thing. You're like, Oh, I could never, I could never get wrapped up in a cult or whatever, but it seems like everyday people and um, you know, just quote unquote, regular people mm -hmm. get wrapped up in cults all the time. Um, so it was interesting to like put, put myself in that place and, and try and draw from that. Yeah, and also just Jim Jones was like, "Whoo, he was a piece of work." He was, yeah. I I actually was uh, listening to a podcast that uh, Stephanie Harlow had actually done. Uh, she's a true crime podcaster, where she was talking about, and just like from little up, he's just this like <laughs> manipulative force. 
that gets yeah. people to fall in line with his wishes. Um, almost, yeah, <laughs> just almost supernatural kind of, which is what he portrayed himself as being, obviously. But right, which you know makes me wonder. Um, that's not just like kind of how sociopaths begin. You know, there's just from a very young age that they learn to like, you know, try and manipulate people. Mm. You just kind of stumble on the tricks and they're like, well, that worked really well. Let's try that again. Let's push the envelope. Let's see how far we can take this. And yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> in some ways it's like they're masters at understanding human nature or mm -hmm. like, you know, body language or, you know, all these things are like knowing how people tick and, you know, in, in better hands, you could be like a really good person. And then with someone with uh, the tendencies that Jim Jones had, you just become a total monster. Yeah. I am curious about the creative process that goes into uh, creating illustrations for something that is um, really such like a horrifying event in uh, human history. It's uh, like... Did you do a lot of research? Did you uh, read a lot of books, watch a lot of documentaries? How did you go about that? Uh, mostly articles online. And then there's this, this huge photo library mm -hmm. of, um, of Jonestown, like actual photos that people took, uh, members of Jonestown took. I can't remember the name of the website, but if you search for it, you can find it. Um, mm -hmm. Just tons and tons and tons of old photos of the grounds and like the people there and like what they were doing, some of them working. Um, and, you know, then there's like the obvious ones of like very high aerial photography of like all the bodies at the end. Um, it wasn't uh, fun to do research for it, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, and then also just like researching uh, Jim Jones's life and like different areas in San Francisco and like I think he was in Texas for a while he was like all over the place because yeah. he's kind of one of those charlatans but um yeah lots of research lots of google image uh searches that that photo archive um I, I started watching a couple of documentaries but some of them just aren't very good mm -hmm. um yeah mostly like online research for for a lot of it Ryan had done most of the research so that kind of freed me up to just stick to like the images um there's definitely some things i had to like you know figure out for myself um but yeah, he did he put a lot of work into it because he's he's read a lot about it mm -hmm. yeah now, do you like submit like a rough sketch like a thumbnail of what you're going to be doing uh and then he kind of tells you from there or do you really just put in a full piece of artwork and just send it off yeah, there's like, I think one or two rounds of um, thumbnails or like layouts, kind of rougher sketches. And then just to let the Robin and, and Ryan get the idea. And then maybe a few little revisions, but nothing um, too crazy. And then I would just go into doing the finished artwork and um, kind of showing those pages like as we as we went along. And um yeah, definitely, definitely always starting with a thumbnail, though. Something very, very rough. Very cool. So, yeah, that's that's definitely something I'm interested in picking up once it comes out. Um, so where will people be able to grab it? Um, so I think right now uh, it should be in previews and, like, comic stores. Um, I know Silver Sprocket, uh, which is an indie publisher, mm -hmm. they're co-publishing it with Robin. Um, and her. I think her publishing... 
or her little outfit is called uh, Paper Rocket. Uh, so it'll be Paper Rocket and Silver Silver Sprocket. Nice. So, um, yeah, it should be in previews, and then yeah, you can order it online or right. any, any any decent comic shop will have it. Very good. But uh, yeah, your your work is very inspirational, and uh, oh. yeah, I I loved it. Um, Woods is definitely one of my favorites now. Um, I'm recommending it to anybody who is out there listening. Uh, and, and pretty much anybody who bumps into me is going to hear about it. So uh, cool, thanks. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a fascinating story. Yeah, it was, it was really great. And, um, can you whet our appetites for any future projects that you might be working on? Uh, so I'm working on a couple right mm-hmm. now. Um, well, there's a Jonestown thing that comes out in a couple of months. I think I wish I knew the actual release date. Um, and then, so the one you mentioned earlier, Go Fuck Myself, I mm-hmm. sent you the second one. Uh, and there's actually three of them. I finished uh, the third one last year in the summer. And that's going to be released as like a, um, well, it's called Go Fuck Myself, uh, the Fuck Pendium. So it's all three issues <laughs> stuck together. Uh, so that'll be coming out uh, probably er- like March, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Um, the Kickstarter for that will probably, probably go live this month. Um, and that's going to be through Kilgore Books. And then I'm working on a, a long, another long form story called, um, Indoor Boy. And it's going to be a YA book about, um, well, it's, it's kind of in between Autobio and like kind of what I did with Woods, where it's inspired greatly by how I grew up, um, when I was a kid. I was homeschooled and um, bullied a lot because I was like mm-hmm. a, a fat kid. So uh, and I read a lot of comics and anime and stuff. So there's going to be a lot of stuff from my life. And then it's going to be telling the story of this indoor boy. Um, so I'm working on that now. I'm just doing the layouts for that now. And um, yeah. Cool. So that's very exciting. Um, now, where can people get a hold of you and find your work? Uh, so it's just my first name, last name on Instagram or my website is first name, last name, mikefryheight.com. Um, Kilgore books. I mean, really, if you just do a search for my, for my name on Google, you can find pretty much anything. Um, Kilgore books has monkey chef, um, or you can get it. I think you can get through Amazon, um, woods. You can get through birdcage bottom. Um, and then there's several different like indie, distributors that also sell my stuff um radiator it's a really good one radiator comics they, they sell a, a lot of really cool indie comics stuff um but yeah if you just do a uh, search for, for my name if, you, if people know how to spell it it'll it'll bring up ways to buy things it's f-r-e-i-h-e-i-t so right that is for anybody listening and it's going to be in the credits it's going to be like in the description box so you should be able to find it and uh if you don't find it there then write me and i i can send it to you send last name links all that good stuff so all right thank you so much mike it was a pleasure talking to you all right Special thanks to Mike Freiheit, and you can check him out at MikeFreiheit.com, where you can check out all of his books, and I really recommend that you do, because he's an incredible artist, an incredible writer, and you are not going to be disappointed. 
You know who never disappoints me is Savage C. Walmar, our legendary announcer. Yes, Savage starts us off on the right foot, and he really sets the tone for the whole show, doesn't he? Yes, indeed. The You Mind theme is by Demilitarized Zone. No, it's actually by Ethan McSell, and it's called Demilitarized Zone. But yeah, that also is a good thing. Patreon.com slash LucidNap is where you can go if you'd like to support the show and help me learn how to speak more better. BuyMeACoffee.com slash LucidNap is where you can go for small one-time donations if you want to support the show that way, or just go to LostBreadComic.com and buy some of our crazy art, our crazy prints, crazy stickers. There should be more crazy coming pretty soon. I'm really trying, guys. I really am. <laughs> Uh, get new stuff up there at some point in the future. Follow us! That's what you can do if you don't want to give money or anything like that. You can just follow us, and you should check out Creeping Wave Radio. It's kind of what the beginning of the show was about, as it's linking to Creeping Wave Radio, which is the scripted audio drama that we do with some of the local San Diego musicians and talent. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of a passion project for me. You can check it out on this channel, and you can check it out in the links in the description below. And you really should, because it's it's really great. And I'm not just saying that because I, I work tirelessly on it to the point where, like, I get double vision and I just don't think I can go on any longer. And, yeah. But you should definitely check it out because it's delightful also, it, in addition to all the other things. It is also delightful. No, it is. It is. So thank you so much for watching, guys, and thank you for listening or whatever you're doing. Did you guys check out the animation at the beginning? If you weren't watching, you wouldn't have seen the animation, but uh, you should go back and give it a look because uh, I see it here working on it for you because I love you. And I love the Gramerica show, Nikki Benfield and Neil, because they give me money. No, I, I love them because they are good, genuine people who are also our Patreons. Thank you so much, guys. The You Mind is brought to you by LucidNet Productions in cooperation with a scary old man. I'm not that scary. Don't I don't so. try to be, but I just am. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Welcome to Wild Speculation, a podcast where each episode is a short story that explores one of the many strange, wonderful, and sometimes disturbing worlds of speculative fiction. You can find us at wildspeculation.buzzsprout.com, on the Project Entertainment Network, and wherever else you find podcasts. So sit back, enjoy the story, and let your imagination run wild. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.